Sometimes we just need someone to set the record straight. Every now and then, we need a person who has our best interest at heart to look us in the eye and tell us the plain spoken truth. In a snowflake generation that can no longer take the heat, we need a fresh baptism of no-nonsense, undiluted truth from the Word of God. If you are open to this type of challenge to your soul, then you are about to be helped with today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. And now, here is our host, a man who earned a PhD in making waves against the shallow ends of the pool of religion, Jeff Lyle. Can you believe how close we are to the end of 2022? I, I was talking to Amy the other day. We were riding down the road and it just dawned on us, both of us kind of stunned, that the year is in the last quarter and uh, where did it go? You know, I know that pretty common knowledge that the older you get, the more time seems to pass quickly. But um, I've, I've never seen or felt or sensed a year. I've never perceived a year to move as quickly as this year has. It's just stunning to me. But um, here we go, man. Before you know it, it's going to be the a deep fall and into the you know Christmas season. And boom, it's going to be 2023. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, myself, uh, my precious wife, and a lot of our more prophetic friends um, are really sensing that the fall and the winter uh, that is immediately before us are going to be transitional uh, times at a at a high level. Um, we're talking about nationally and perhaps even globally. And um, I don't know what all that is. We started making some preparations for that um, earlier this year. Amy, hearing from the Lord both uh, in her devotional life, but also my wife is a bit of a seer and a dreamer. And the Lord speaks to Amy very powerfully in dreams, and she has this innate ability to um, really trust the Lord as he gives her dreams, and she's learned over the years to act upon them. And so um, we had very specific dreams that, um, or she did, that, you know, we processed together and with some friends. And, you know, we just made some preparations. If the system that you're living in, culturally in the United States of America, which is where, of course, I am. Um, if, if that system begins to crumble, um, I think it's going to expose um, a lot of the props that we Christians lean upon. And we're going to find out the degree to which we really do live by faith. It's And some of you are listening in other parts of the world. Let me confess something that you probably already know about the American church. We talk, and I think we're being sincere when we're talking about it, but we talk a lot about faith. We talk about living for the Lord. We talk about trusting the Lord. We sing about depending on the Lord. But I'm not sure that I'm 52 years old. I'm not sure that my generation and younger really, really knows whether or not we actually do trust on the Lord to the degree that we say we do. And I've found in my own life in like smaller slices of this kind of paradigm that God shows me where the level of my faith is by allowing hardship into my life, by causing me to lose things in the sense of things that I assumed would be there. And um, when they're gone, I realized, oh man, I leaned on that thing a little bit too much, whether it be finance, whether it be relationships, whether it be ministry. And the shaking that will eventually come, not only to America, but the whole planet, God says he's going to shake the earth once more. 
And then also there are specific words about shaking the heavens and the earth. And then when you uh, just, you know, I'm wrapping up a study on the end times that has been going on for months on Wednesday nights at the church at Winder. Um, but this study has just reminded me that there's going to be this massive, unprecedented shaking that's going to hit this planet. It's going to shake everything. And of course, the Lord says, I'll shake it until only that which cannot be shaken will remain. Now, that shouldn't scare us, but it, it definitely needs to sober us. What is in your life that if God shakes it, it goes away? Because that's something that um, you don't need to be relying on heavily. You can appreciate it. You can enjoy it. You can utilize it. But if it becomes part of the structure by which you determine the, the security of your own life, then, then that's a dangerous thing for you. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. And we're making preparations um, Amy and I have worked this year to have zero money that we owe anybody. Um, so we, we don't have any debt. We don't have a house payment. We don't have car payments. We, uh, don't have credit card debts. Um, we are intentionally trying to extract ourselves from the financial systems that people in America are, assume are permanent and ironclad. And I don't believe they are at all. And um, so we're, we're making preparations for the great shaking. Now, we're still doing life, too. Like, we'll go out to eat. We drive cars. We show up and go to church. You know, we're not, we're not disappearing on a commune somewhere and, you know, climbing up a hill and stargazing and waiting for Jesus to come back. We're living life. We're doing relationships. We're enjoying our family. We're enjoying our relationships with the body of Christ and we're engaged in ministry, but in the back of my mind, I'm just going to be hundred percent honest with you. Um, I feel a compelling of the Holy spirit to tell uh, those that happen to listen to anything that I'm teaching, preaching, or saying, I'm just telling you, you probably need to get alone with the Lord and ask him to show you what you're leaning upon. That isn't from him. And I've, I've already said, we've been doing this a year, so we didn't get, we didn't get a word on a day and we had full understanding, but we've been seeking the Lord for about a year saying, Hey, what is it that we have built our lives upon in any way that leaves us vulnerable to what you're going to be doing? Um, you cannot read the apocalyptic scriptures, primarily the book of revelation, but even some of the old Testament prophetic book of Zechariah, um, of course the book of Daniel, um, you can't, the book of Joel, you can't read those and assume that everything is going to continue as it has been. So the reality is one generation, there will be a generation that's alive on planet earth at some point where um, the whole thing implodes. Everything. The American economy won't be there at the end. The American government won't be there at the end. The systems all across the planet in different nations, um, they're going to be radically shifted and there will have to be an implosion, like literally an, a, a global implosion of governmental and financial structures and cultural norms. There will have to be that prior to the apocalyptic scriptures being able to be fulfilled, which entail a one world government headed up by the Antichrist. And that stuff actually has to happen in time. There have to be actual, you know, events that occur on earth for 
the Antichrist to step into his eventual power and, and to take ownership of global rule. So in order for that to happen, the things that are currently structured in global governments have to fall apart or be destroyed. So when that happens, there's going to be ripple effects down to, you know, citizen Joe Smith, United States of America, his money, his job, his ability to buy and sell and get food. All of that stuff is referenced in the apocalyptic Bible literature. And most Christians just assume that, oh, well, it's okay, man. I'm sorry that's going to happen. I'm going to get raptured before any of that happens. So in the meantime, I'm just going to live my life. And you, sadly, are mistaken. Um, if you're interested in finding out more, because my podcast is not on any of this today. I'm just uh, feeling the Lord on this. But if you're interested in getting a clarified and updated, refreshed view of the end time events, um, I've preached 15, 16 messages this year on Wednesday nights at the church at Winder. And all of those can be found on the Transforming Truth YouTube channel. And I would say that my own understanding of the discerning the end of days, that's what the series is called, discerning the days, my own understanding and response to what the Bible teaches about the end of the age has been clarified greatly this year. Um, like I was one of those that thought, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe we do get raptured first, maybe we don't, but hey, you know, it'll all pan out. And I was that guy for years and years. And I abandoned that position about six years ago, but I still didn't know why I believed what I believed. And so this um, overview of the end of the age has been really helpful for me, the people at the church. And I think you'll be benefited by it too, if you care to listen to it. And that's it. Uh, Transforming Truth YouTube page, or you can just download the Transforming Truth app and check it out there. Now, that was like a 10-minute intro into uh, talking about stuff that I'm really not going to talk about today. <laughs> so I actually have a point that I want to talk to you about, and you, you can kind of process what I just said earlier, uh, but I want, to, I want to shift gears here. I want to talk to you about walking in confidence. Can, can I talk to you about that without sounding like, you know, a TED Talk? Or, you know, Dr. Phil, pat on the back, attaboy, go get him, tiger. Um, well, you should be walking in confidence as a born-again believer. As somebody who's inhabited by the God of the universe and the person of the Holy Spirit, you should be walking in confidence. As a person who has a lamp under their feet, which is the written word of God, you should be walking in confidence. And you're doing life with other believers, so we draw strength and confidence as we do life together. That's why one of the reasons why you should never be um, in the sense when we're talking about mavericks and misfits, you can be a maverick without being isolated. And sadly, a lot of people feel permission to be isolated and that's, that weakens you and it also weaken your confidence. Um, I've, I've found over the years that there are seasons where I have to be in the book of Joshua. Seasons where the Lord is motivating me to take territory, to make inroads, to start new works, to help people um, take ownership of what God has provided for them because he has given dominion to man. Um, that is clear. You go and read the Psalms over and over again, the reality, the theology that God has given man authority in the earth and over the earth. And a lot of Christians just kind of shy away from that and they just hide behind God's sovereignty. Well, he is sovereign and he's sovereignly chosen to give us authority. 
And because people are afraid of stepping into arrogance or presumption, they choose not only not to walk in authority, but not to walk in even confidence about how they're living their lives. And so Joshua's testimony motivates me because Joshua was encouraged in the early part of his leadership from the Lord to, to be a courageous man, to be a believer who wasn't, you know, vacillating, wasn't double-minded, wasn't tentative. Tentativeness is not a fruit of the spirit. That's why Paul said to Timothy, hey, look, God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind, or sober judgment, or disciplined thinking. Um, And so what God said to Joshua in chapter number one, I just want to, I'm going to release this, and I'm going to dare you to believe it for yourself. Because what, why are you listening to a podcast if you, if you're just letting it get in your ears and you don't let it get in your spirit, you got to let it get in your spirit. You got to recognize that God speaks through people to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak into you. So don't let it reside in your ears and your mind and analyze it as a, you know, biblical data. Get the rhema, get the right now whispered word of the Holy Spirit to you. So Joshua chapter one, this is um, God speaking to Joshua, the newly appointed leader of Israel. And this is what God says to him in Joshua one, three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And listen to verse 5, Joshua 1, 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Therefore, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, I like it when God is clear. Man, that helps me so much. There, are, there have been so countless seasons in my life where I've just said, God, just tell me what to do because I love to obey. Lord, make it clear. You've made me a man of action. You've made me a person that likes to do your will. So make it clear and I'll do it. I just made up my mind a long time ago that when the Lord clarifies to me that I am to do something, I don't bargain. I don't negotiate. I don't protest. I do it. And every time that I do, Glory. Hallelujah. So Joshua has been called to lead Israel into the promised land. Moses got them out of Egypt, took care of them while they were in the wilderness, but Moses did not get to take the people fully into the promised land. So that was Joshua's job. And God wanted to empower and authorize and encourage Joshua to walk in confidence as he led people into a new territory, into a new place, into a new season. But I like what he's saying. I mean, I just, I want you to, I want you to, I dare you. I just dare you to consider that this might be God seeking to empower you in that thing he's called you to walk in, in that endeavor he's leading you to say yes to, in that risk he's calling you to take. Just hear the voice of the Lord and just process with the Lord. Lord, are you going to allow me to believe this? (laughs) My guess is he's going to say, allow you, I'm telling you to. But listen to the words, every place, Joshua, that you put your foot, that's yours. Every single step you take, Joshua, you're stepping on land that I've decreed will be yours. So walk in confidence. 
And then he describes in verses, you know, verse number four, what that territory is going to look like. But it's amazing. That's a big territory. It's immense. And he's just telling Joshua, everywhere you go, I want you to know I've given it to you. It is yours to conquer. Because the promised land was the promised land, but it was also a land that had to be fought for. It was a land that had to be possessed. And in order for Israel to possess it, they had to dispossess it from all the people that were currently on it. And so when we're going and stepping into God's territory and God's calling and God's promised place for us, he says, go boldly. It's all yours, but you will have to fight for it. And sadly, I think a lot of people in this generation have decided that, well, if it's God's will, it's supposed to be easy. Eh, Wrong. You didn't read your Bible. Um, No, just because God decrees it doesn't mean you're not going to have to raise a sword. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to fast and pray and endure and fight the devil. And sometimes you got to fight human opposition. But but you can do that so much better when you realize, okay, I'm fighting for what I've already been given. If God's called me to it, if God's called you to it, then it's yours. And so you have to have a holy confidence. It's not arrogance to believe God. It's not cockiness to believe God. It's it's not, you know, walking in swagger to give yourself fully and confidently to the thing that the Lord has called you unto. And yeah, sometimes you got to fight. And we live in a generation where leaders that fight and leaders that uh, advance and leaders that walk in assurance and leaders that, you know, at times just aren't open to negotiation. They're viewed as manipulators and abusers and controllers and things like that. And, you know, you, you, you don't need to waste your time trying to justify that. You've got land to conquer and you've got territory to gain. And if God gave it to you, walk confidently in it. And so this is what I love is verse five. This is the verse that gripped me this year because I was going through some battles with, with people in order to, to, you know, to conquer a hill and take territory and do what God's called me to do. Um, Verse five in Joshua one says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you and I will not leave you or forsake you. So what God is saying there is Joshua, I've assigned you a territory. The time is now. It's all yours. Go take it. But Joshua, please know you're going to be fought. And when they fight you, Joshua, I want you to know this in the battle. You will not fall to them. They'll fall to you. That's what God said. And um, didn't mean the fight wasn't going to be hard. It just meant that the result was certain. And Joshua needed to walk into the battle knowing, okay, I'm going to get fought, but I'm going to win. And I like that idea. No man shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Um, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses and I will never leave you or forsake you. So God's just equipping Joshua with everything Joshua needs to believe in order to overcome, prevail and fulfill God's plan for his life. So I'm going to ask you something right now. Actually, I'm going to make a couple of declarations. When you know what God has asked you to do, when you understand what he's called you to do, what he's assigned to you, um, it's attached to your life purpose. He's gifted and equipped you. The timing comes to pass, and now is the time. When you walk into that, you must walk with confidence that says, nobody can stop me. Nobody can stop me. There's not a person that can successfully resist me and undermine what God is calling me to do that I am seeking to do in faith, in obedience, and according to his will. Nobody can stop you. But most Christians don't want to believe that because they they wrongly view that as arrogance. They wrongly view that as cockiness. It's not. It's believing God. 
And so when you are opposed, there is this um, opportunity for you to boldly and confidently stand your ground. And you do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because he's the one that gave you the land. He's the one that gave you the opportunity. He's the one that gave you the assignment. And so you don't apologize for boldly fighting for what God has put in the power of your hand to do. And again, um, there will be people that won't like it. And they will fight you. They will straight up fight you. And that right there is a test of whether or not you have confidence in God. And I want to tell you, there's a learning curve on this. Um in ministry, and some of you are in ministry vocationally, others of you are serving in your church, some of you are trying to lead your family or make a difference in your school, or um, starting a parachurch mission or joining somebody else's parachurch mission, and you're just trying to advance the kingdom in the thing God's given you, there's going to be people that misunderstand you, and they don't want you to be confident. It's very interesting to me that they'll fight you with all the confidence that they're right. And then when you fight back in confidence, they may cry foul. And so back in the day when that used to happen to me, I used to get nervous. I used to be like, oh man, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I am being arrogant. Maybe I am being cocky. And it took me years. And this goes back 20 years. It took me years to get to the place where I could just say, oh, you're wrong and I'm going to let you be wrong. And I'm not going to try to bend over backwards to, you know, to prove to you that I'm right. I'm just going to keep doing what God has told me to do. And what God says is nobody will stand uh, for me, excuse me, before me and succeed. And the idea there is, is they oppose you. They stand before you face to face. They're opposing you. And what God told Joshua, you have to have the faith to reach out and grasp that when you are in the will of God, doing the thing that God has called you to do, he will make sure that your opposition fails. And people, people don't like that. People don't want you to be confident. But what is the alternative? Like if you're going to conquer the hill that God has put before you, if you're going to invade and claim the territory that God has put before you, if you're going to turn it from the hand of the enemy and be used of God to, to acknowledge that it's in his hand, that he's the owner of that, that opportunity, that land, that mission, if, if you're going to do that, you can't be wishy-washy and you can't be passive and you can't turn and run when the, the battle gets hot. So God said to Joshua, he says, nobody's going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I was with Moses, your predecessor. I'm going to be with you. And Joshua, I love it. I will not leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. That's a temptation to feel like when you're getting fought and you're getting battled by opposition, you think, oh man, God's not with me. If he was with me, I wouldn't be going through this. No, God is with you and he could wipe out all your opposition. He could take care of it and never have you have to fight for a thing. He'd just give it to you. But in God's wisdom, that's not what he wants because he loves partnership. You know, we already know what God can do for us, but, but what God is interested in is, is us learning what he can do with us because he likes partnership. He wants you to participate in the thing that he's decreed. Yeah, he could do it all himself. But there's something in the infinite heart of God that likes to partner with weak people 
who have to depend on him because he gets glory from us when we see that he is able to take care of the opposition and give us the thing to which he has called us. So he tells Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. And then he tells him, you're going to cause Israel to inherit this land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. It's a big, big assignment on Joshua. Joshua, you're the dude. You're the leader who's going to take the nation into the very thing that I've covenanted with through Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob. Joshua, you're the guy that leads the people into it. I'm entrusting you with this massive assignment, so you need to know I'm never going to leave you. I want you to do this with me. It's amazing, man. It's just as a, as a, a kingdom leader and just as in a guy... You know, that little apostolic thread where, you know, apostolic people love to go in and, and bring kingdom to places where kingdom doesn't manifest previously. And so Joshua's bringing the kingdom of God into Canaan land, and he's going to do it through warfare, and he's going to do it through obedience, and he's going to do it through courage. So you get nine chapters later. So nine chapters later. This very message that Joshua received from God, he then is able to impart to others. Joshua, who received confidence and courage and strength from the Lord, he then is able in, 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 to release it to others. The very same confidence with, that he himself had been previously given by the Lord. So Joshua received it from the Lord, acted upon it, started walking courageously, got him over the Jordan River, got him into the land. They're tearing things up. They're crushing the enemy. They're doing it. And Joshua has learned, yeah, man, when we trust and obey God, we are invincible until God's done with us. Just receive that. Man, receive it. Come on now. Like, don't hear it. Receive it. You're invincible in the will of God until God is done with you. You're invincible. Like, why do we doubt that? Listen to what I'm saying. If you are in the will of God, doing what God has told you to do, and you're doing it with the motive that he can affirm, and you're doing it for his glory, you are invincible. Nobody can stand against you and succeed. And to not believe that or to dilute that is to discredit the very reason why God gives you words like that. I mean, the alternative is, well, maybe maybe God will come through and maybe God won't. That's not faith. You think that pleases the Lord? That's not faith. Like the pagans, the unbelievers can think like that. But God's looking for Christians in this generation that will say, in the name of Jesus Christ, what God has given me and assigned to me and empowered me for, if I will stay humble and seek all things for his glory, he will bring it to pass. Woe unto the person who challenges the will of God in my life. Now, maybe you're not comfortable with that, but that's, that's something you better work through because otherwise you're going to get slaughtered on the battlefield. You're going to get your backside handed to you over and over again because you just don't believe God will cause you to stand and cause that which opposes his will in your life to fall. Whether it is demonic opposition, whether it is cultural opposition, whether it is uh, religious spirited opposition, people that call themselves Christians. Listen, sometimes you just got to realize God loves all people equally, but he doesn't advance all people equally. 
So the fact that he, that sometimes you're opposed by Christians, you're like, well, I need to turn the other cheek and I need to just be meek and quiet in spirit and I need to be sweet and nice and everything. I don't want to make a problem. No, you, you have to be able to recognize when a misguided Christian is opposing the will of God in your life, you actually have to challenge them. You actually have to say, hey, look, well, this ain't up for vote. <laughs> this is what the Lord has said in his word. And this is what he has led me to do, and I'm going to do it. And I invite you to be cooperative in the process if you'd like to be. If not, you probably should step aside because in the will of God, we are invincible. Now process that on whatever level that you want. But nine chapters later, Joshua is taking the message he received from God, and he's given it to others. And he says in Joshua 10, chapter 10, verse 25, Joshua said to the people, do not be afraid. Or dismayed, be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. You see, we reproduce what we are. Joshua was a courageous leader, and he reproduced that in those that followed his leadership. And um, if you're tentative, you reproduce that in other people. If you're wishy-washy, you reproduce that in other people. If you are double-minded, you're reproducing that in other people. But if you're confident in the Lord and his assignment for your life, you will reproduce that because chances are, if he gives you an assignment, it means you're going to need help from others and they need to be as confident in what God is saying as you are. So I, I'm calling us today to a, a clean courage not a chest-thumping WWE kind of, you know, WrestleMania courage. I'm not talking about bravado. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being headstrong in the flesh. No, God will wear you out for that. But I am saying that once you know the will of God and you know that you're in the will of God, march. You march into the land. You march into the territory. You march forward. Don't be discouraged by the enemy opposing you. That means you're on the right track. But you will have to fight. And Christians don't know how to fight anymore. A bunch of pacifists. A bunch of mushy lovers. Look, I, I appreciate the fact that all things, yeah, God is love. But not all love is God. There's a framework of love that is being presented to the church and by the church that has nothing to do with God. It's a passivity. It's a sweetness. It's a hollow and shallow shell of agape love. And sometimes agape love says fight for the glory of God because we love him foremost. And sometimes when you're fighting for the glory of God and stepping into the territory he has assigned you, people are going to resist you. They're going to resist you. And you have a choice to make. You can, you can embrace that expectation of being syrupy sweet, that little misrepresentation of love that is nothing but passivity and milk toast lukewarmness and um you you can miss what god's called you to they'll steal it from you they'll straight up take it from you your opposition isn't playing by those rules if they were they wouldn't have fought you and so they're fighting you and they expect you to be the one to lay it all down and just say okay i'm sorry We'll just stay here in the wilderness. We'll just stay here on the wrong side of Jordan. We'll just stay here outside of the promised territory that God has called me to conquer because I want you to know that I hear you 
and I feel you, and I want to be sweet. And God will look at you, and he will straight up spank your backside in discipline. Because he'll say, you are not only my child, you're my servant, and you know what I called you to do, and I didn't give you option B. So we have to make up this decision. We have to make up our minds on this decision that um, we're either going to gain the approval of a lukewarm generation that is very comfortable doing nothing except getting in holy huddles and loving on one another and doing perpetual Bible studies that don't ever lead to action. Do you know why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea? Because it has no outlet. You realize that, right? The reason why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is because it has no outlet. And there's a, a lot of dead Bible studies and a lot of dead ministries and a lot of dead churches and a lot of dead Christians. And the reason why is very simple. They're, they're always receiving, but there's no outflow. So it just stagnates and it becomes a place where life cannot flourish. And so we have to let there be an outflow for all of our Bible studies and all of our church gatherings and all of our worship songs and all of our prayer times and all of our, look, I'm for all of those things. I love those things. But I don't love them as a means unto, excuse me, an end unto themselves. There has to be an outflow. There has to be an advance of the kingdom. The, the passive churches that literally the goal, nobody's, nobody's even analyzed why they're meeting anymore. They've just been meeting for decades with the goal to meet. But there's no mission. The, the communities aren't being changed. Strongholds aren't being torn down. Like straight up, do we even believe in that anymore? That there's demonic strongholds over cities and over regions that have to be torn down and they don't negotiate? Like that's the Joshua mandate and that requires the Joshua courage. And the devil is not, he's fine with us having our church services. He's fine with us having our Bible studies. He's fine with us having all of our training as long as we don't actually do anything with it. And so what Joshua's call was, Joshua, I'm giving you everything you need. Nobody's going to be able to successfully resist you. Go out there, crush the enemy, get this land and establish it as the man that I have chosen to fulfill my promises to your ancestors. Joshua, you're the dude. Go up there now and crush it. So those are some nice fluffy thoughts from Pastor Jeff today. Um, I don't do fluffy. <laughs> it's not my style. Um, so I hope that you've, listen, man, I hope it's like a, an ox goad in the side. Just get you going, man. There's so many people out there telling you to dilute yourself. So many, you know, open doorways into deeper lukewarmness. I don't want to be another voice like that. I, I just pray the Lord Jesus take me home. I don't want to be one of those leaders, speakers, preachers, prophetic people, whatever. I don't want to be one of those that just tells you, you're great where you are. You're awesome, man. No need to change. No need to grow. No need to die. No need to stretch. Just you are awesome. And that nasty thread that has come from the church ad nauseum for years, maybe even decades now, that's got to die. And I'm believing a better word over this upcoming generation of believers. And I'm going to do my best to tell you, walk into the promised territory assigned to you. And God will tell you, nobody can successfully oppose you. All right, run with that. I've written the vision, made it plain. So he that runs may read it, read it, hear it, listen it, process it, and run with it. We will talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. God bless. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? 
His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.